Chapter eighteen of Young People's Treasury, Volume six Famous Travels and Adventures by Hamilton Wright Maybe. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Betty B. Expedition to the Pacific Ocean by Captains Lewis and Clark. Early in November, eighteen o five, they set off in company with some Indians who had joined them the evening before. At the distance of three miles, they passed a river on the left to which from the quantity of sand it bears along with it they gave the name of quicksand river so great indeed was the quantity it had discharged into the columbia that the river was compressed to the width of half a mile and the whole force of the current thrown against the right shore opposite this was a large creek which they call seal river the mountain which they had supposed to be the mount hood of vancouver now bore south eighty-five degrees east about forty-seven miles distant about three miles farther on they passed the lower mouth of quicksand river opposite to which was another large creek and near it the head of an island three miles and a half in extent and half a mile beyond it was another island which they called diamond island opposite to which they encamped having made but thirteen miles distance here they met with some indians ascending the river who stated that they had seen three vessels at its mouth below quicksand river the country is low rich and thickly wooded on each side of the columbia the islands have less timber and on them are numerous ponds near which were vast quantities of fowl such as swan geese brant cranes storks white gulls cormorants and plover the river is wide and contains a great number of sea otters in the evening the hunters brought in game for a sumptuous supper in continuing their descent the next day they found diamond island to be six miles in length and three broad and near its termination were two other islands just below the last of these proceeds their narrative we landed on the left bank of the river at a village of twenty-five houses all of which were thatched with straw and built of bark except one which was about fifty feet long and constructed of boards in the form of those higher up the river from which it differed however in being completely above ground and covered with broad split boards this village contained about two hundred men of the skilut nation who seemed well provided with canoes of which there were at least fifty-two and some of them very large drawn up in front of the village on landing we found an indian from above who had left us this morning and who now invited us into a lodge of which he appeared to be part owner here he treated us with a root round in shape and about the size of a small irish potato which they called wapatu it is the common arrowhead or sagritifolia so much cultivated by the chinese and when roasted in the embers till it becomes soft has an agreeable taste and is a very good substitute for bread after purchasing some of this route we resumed our journey and at seven miles distance came to the head of a large island near the left bank on the right shore was a fine open prairie for about a mile back of which the country rises and is well supplied with timber such as white oak pine of different kinds wild crab and several species of undergrowth while along the borders of the river there were only a few cottonwood and ash trees in this prairie were also signs of deer and elk when we landed for dinner a number of indians came down for the purpose 
as we supposed of paying us a friendly visit as they had put on their finest dresses in addition to their usual covering they had scarlet and blue blankets sailors jackets and trousers shirts and hats they had all of them either war axes spears and bows and arrows or muskets and pistols with tin powder flasks we smoked with them and endeavored to show them at every attention but soon found them very assuming and disagreeable companions while we were eating they stole the pipe with which they were smoking and a great coat of one of the men we immediately searched them all and found the coat stuffed under the root of a tree near where they were sitting but the pipe we could not recover finding us discontented with them and determined not to suffer any imposition they showed their displeasure in the only way they dared by returning in ill humor to their village we then proceeded and soon met two canoes with twelve men of the same Skalut nation who were on their way from below the larger of the canoes was ornamented with the figures of a bear in the bow and a man in the stern both nearly as large as life both made of painted wood and very neatly fastened to the boat in the same canoe were two indians gaudily dressed and with round hats this circumstance induced us to give the name of image canoe to the large island the lower end of which we were now passing at the distance of nine miles from its head we had seen two smaller islands to the right and three more near its lower extremity the river was now about a mile and a half in width with a gentle current and the bottoms extensive and low but not subject to be overflowed three miles below image canoe island we came to four large houses on the left side here we had a full view of the mountain which we had first seen from the mussel shell rapid on the nineteenth of october and which we now found to be in fact the mount st helen of vancouver it bore north twenty-five degrees east about ninety miles distant rose in the form of a sugar-loaf to a very great height and was covered with snow a mile lower we passed a single house on the left and another on the right the indians had now learned so much of us that their curiosity was without any mixture of fear and their visits became very frequent and troublesome we therefore continued on till after night in hopes of getting rid of them but after passing a village on each side which on account of the lateness of the hour we could only see indistinctly we found there was no escaping from their importunities we accordingly landed at the distance of seven miles below image canoe island and encamped near a single house on the right having made during the day twenty-nine miles the skalutes that we pass to-day speak a language somewhat different from that of the echelutes or the chalukatakawas near the long narrows their dress however is similar except that the skalutes possess more articles procured from the white traders and there is this farther difference between them that the skalutes both males and females have the head flattened their principal food is fish wapatoo roots and some elk and deer in killing which with arrows they seem to be very expert for during the short time we remained at the village three deer were brought in we also observed there a tame blero badger as soon as we landed we were visited by two canoes loaded with indians from whom we purchased a few roots the grounds along the river continued low and rich 
and among the shrubs were large quantities of vines resembling the raspberry on the right the low grounds were terminated at the distance of five miles by a range of high hills covered with tall timber and running southeast and northwest the game as usual was very abundant and among other birds we observed some white geese with a part of their wings black early the next morning they resumed their voyage passing several islands in the course of the day the river alternately widening and contracting and the hills sometimes retiring from and at others approaching its banks they stopped for the night at the distance of thirty-two miles from their last encampment november seventh the morning proceeds the narrative was rainy and the fog so thick that we could not see across the river we observed however opposite to our camp the upper point of an island between which and the steep hills on the right we proceeded for five miles three miles lower was the beginning of an island separated from the right shore by a narrow channel down this we proceeded under the direction of some indians whom we had just met going up the river and who returned in order to show us their village it consisted of four houses only situated on this channel behind several marshy islands formed by two small creeks on our arrival they gave us some fish and we afterwards purchased wapatoo roots fish three dogs and two otter skins for which we gave fish hooks chiefly that being an article which they were very anxious to obtain these people seemed to be of a different nation from those we had just passed they were low in stature ill-shaped and all had their heads flattened they called themselves wakiakum and their language differed from that of the tribes above with whom they trade for wapatoo roots the houses too were built in a different style being raised entirely above ground with the eaves about five feet high and the door at the corner near the end opposite to the door was a single fireplace round which were the beds raised four feet from the floor of earth over the fire were hung fresh fish and when dried they are stowed away with the wapatoo roots under the beds the dress of the men was like that of the people above but the women were clad in a peculiar manner the robe not reaching lower than the hip and the body being covered in cold weather by a sort of corset of fur curiously plaited and reaching from the arms to the hip added to this was a sort of petticoat or rather tissue of white cedar bark bruised or broken into small strands and woven into a girdle by several cords of the same material being tied round the middle these strands hang down as low as the knee in front and to the middle of the leg behind sometimes the tissue consists of strings of silk grass twisted and knotted at the end after remaining with them about an hour we proceeded down the channel with an indian dressed in a sailor's jacket for our pilot and on reaching the main channel were visited by some indians who have a temporary residence on a marshy island tenasillahee in the middle of the river where there are great numbers of waterfowl here the mountainous country again approaches the river on the left and a higher saddle mountain is perceived towards the southwest at a distance of twenty miles from our camp we halted at a village of wakiacums consisting of seven ill-looking houses built in the same form with those above and situated at the foot of the high hills on the right 
behind two small marshy islands we merely stopped to purchase some food and two beaver skins and then proceeded opposite to these islands the hills on the left retire and the river widens into a kind of bay crowded with low islands subject to be overflowed occasionally by the tide we had not gone far from this village when the fog suddenly clearing away we were at last presented with a glorious sight of the ocean that ocean the object of all our labors the reward of all our anxieties this animating sight exhilarated the spirits of all the party who were still more delighted on hearing the distant roar of the breakers we went on with great cheerfulness along the high mountainous country which bordered the right bank the shore however was so bold and rocky that we could not until at a distance of fourteen miles from the last village find any spot fit for an encampment having made during the day thirty-four miles we now spread our mats on the ground and passed the night in the rain here we were joined by our small canoe which had been separated from us during the fog this morning two indians from the last village also accompanied us to the camp but having detected them in stealing a knife they were sent off november eighth it rained this morning and having changed our clothing which had been wet by yesterday's rain we set out at nine o'clock immediately opposite our camp was a pillar rock at the distance of a mile in the river about twenty feet in diameter and fifty in height and towards the southwest some high mountains one of which was covered with snow at the top we proceeded past several low islands in the bend or bay of the river to the left which were here five or six miles wide on the right side we passed an old village and then at the distance of three miles entered an inlet or niche about six miles across and making a deep bend of nearly five miles into the hills on the right shore where it receives the waters of several creeks we coasted along this inlet which from its little depth we called shallow bay and at the bottom of it stopped to dine near the remains of an old village from which however we kept at a cautious distance as like all these places it was occupied by a plentiful stock of fleas at this place we observed a number of fowl among which we killed a goose and two ducks exactly resembling in appearance and flavor the canvas-back duck of the susquehanna after dinner we took advantage of the returning tide to go about three miles to a point on the right eight miles distant from our camp but here the water ran so high and washed about our canoes so much that several of the men became seasick it was therefore judged imprudent to proceed in the present state of the weather and we landed at the point our situation here was extremely uncomfortable the high hills jutted in so closely that there was not room for us to lie level nor to secure our baggage from the tide and the water of the river was too salty to be used but the waves increasing so much that we could not move from the spot with safety we fixed ourselves on the beach left by the ebb tide and raising the baggage on poles passed a disagreeable night the rain during the day having wet us completely as indeed we had been for some time past november ninth fortunately the tide did not rise as high as our camp during the night but being accompanied by high winds from the south the canoes which we could not place beyond its reach were filled with water and saved with much difficulty 
our position was exceedingly disagreeable but as it was impossible to move from it we waited for a change of weather it rained however during the whole day and at two o'clock in the afternoon the flood-tide came in accompanied by a high wind from the south which at about four o'clock shifted to the southwest and blew almost a gale directly from the sea immense waves now broke over the place where we were and large trees some of them five or six feet through which had been lodged on the point drifted over our camp so that the utmost vigilance of every man could scarcely save the canoes from being crushed to pieces we remained in the water and were drenched with rain during the rest of the day our only sustenance being some dried fish and the rain-water which we caught yet though wet and cold and some of them sick from using salt water the men were cheerful and full of anxiety to see more of the ocean the rain continued all night and the following morning november tenth the wind lulling and the waves not being so high we loaded our canoes and proceeded the mountains on the right are here high covered with timber chiefly pine and descend with a bold and rocky shore to the water we went through a deep niche and several inlets on the right while on the opposite side was a large bay above which the hills are close on the river at the distance of ten miles the wind rose from the northwest and the waves became so high that we were forced to return two miles for a place where we could unload with safety here we landed at the mouth of a small run and having placed our baggage on a pile of drifted logs waited until low water the river then appearing more calm we started again but after going a mile found the waters too turbulent for our canoes and were obliged to put to shore here we landed the baggage and having placed it on a rock above the reach of the tide encamped on some drift logs which formed the only place where we could lie the hills rising steep over our heads to the height of five hundred feet all our baggage as well as ourselves was thoroughly wet with rain which did not cease during the day it continued indeed violently through the night in the course of which the tide reached the logs on which we lay and set them afloat november eleventh the wind was still high from the southwest and drove the waves against the shore with great fury the rain too fell in torrents and not only drenched us to the skin but loosened the stones on the hillsides so that they came rolling down upon us in this comfortless condition we remained all day wet and cold and with nothing but dried fish to satisfy our hunger the canoes at the mercy of the waves at one place the baggage in another and the men scattered on floating logs or sheltering themselves in the crevices of the rocks and hillsides a hunter was dispatched in the hope of finding some game but the hills were so steep and so covered with undergrowth and fallen timber that he could not proceed and was forced to return about twelve o'clock we were visited by five indians in a canoe they came from the opposite side of the river above where we were and their language much resembled that of the wakiacums they calling themselves kathlamas in person they were small ill-made and badly clothed though one of them had on a sailor's jacket and pantaloons which as he explained by signs he had received from the whites below the point we purchased from them thirteen red char a fish which we found very excellent after some time they went on board their boat and crossed the river which is here five miles wide 
through a very heavy sea november twelfth about three o'clock a tremendous gale of wind arose accompanied with lightning thunder and hail at six it lightened up for a short time but a violent rain soon began and lasted through the day during the storm one of our boats secured by being sunk with great quantities of stone got loose but drifting against a rock was recovered without having received much injury our situation now became much more dangerous for the waves were driven with fury against the rocks and trees which till now had afforded us refuge we therefore took advantage of the low tide and moved about half a mile round a point to a small brook which we had not observed before on account of the thick bushes and driftwood which concealed its mouth here we were more safe but still cold and wet our clothes and bedding rotten as well as wet our baggage at a distance and the canoes our only means of escape from this place at the mercy of the waves still we continued to enjoy good health and even had the luxury of feasting on some salmon and three salmon trout which we caught in the brook three of the men attempted to go round a point in our small indian canoe but the high waves rendered her quite unmanageable these boats requiring the seamanship of the natives to make them live in so rough a sea november thirteenth during the night we had short intervals of fair weather but it began to rain in the morning and continued through the day in order to obtain a view of the country below captain clark followed the course of the brook and with much fatigue and after walking three miles ascended the first spur of the mountains the whole lower country he found covered with almost impenetrable thickets of small pine with which is mixed a species of plant resembling arrowwood twelve or fifteen feet high with thorny stems almost interwoven with each other and scattered among the fern and fallen timber there is also a red berry somewhat like the solomon's seal which is called by the natives salme and used as an article of diet this thick growth rendered travelling almost impossible and it was rendered still more fatiguing by the abruptness of the mountain which was so steep as to oblige him to draw himself up by means of the bushes the timber on the hills is chiefly of a large tall species of pine many of the trees eight or ten feet in diameter at the stump and rising sometimes more than one hundred feet in height the hail which fell two nights before was still to be seen on the mountains there was no game and no marks of any except some old tracks of elk the cloudy weather prevented his seeing to any distance and he therefore returned to camp and sent three men in an indian canoe to try if they could double the point and find some safer harbor for our boats at every flood tide the sea broke in great swells against the rocks and drifted the trees against our establishment so as to render it very insecure november fourteenth it had rained without intermission during the night and continued to through the day the wind too was very high and one of our canoes much injured by being driven against the rocks five indians from below came to us in a canoe and three of them landed and informed us that they had seen the men sent down yesterday fortunately at this moment one of the men arrived and told us that these very indians had stolen his gig and basket we therefore ordered the two women who remained in the canoe to restore them but this they refused to do till we threatened to shoot them when they gave back the articles and we commanded them to leave us
they were of the wakiakum nation the man now informed us that they had gone round the point as far as the high sea would suffer them in the canoe and then landed that in the night he had separated from his companions who had proceeded farther down and that at no great distance from where we were was a beautiful sand beach and a good harbor captain lewis determined to examine more minutely the lower part of the bay and embarking in one of the large canoes was put on shore at the point whence he proceeded by land with four men and the canoe returned nearly filled with water november fifteenth it continued raining all night but in the morning the weather became calm and fair we began therefore to prepare for setting out but before we were ready a high wind sprang up from the southeast and obliged us to remain the sun shone until one o'clock and we were thus enabled to dry our bedding and examine our baggage the rain which had continued for the last ten days without any interval of more than two hours had completely wet all our merchandise spoiled some of our fish destroyed the robes and rotted nearly one half of our few remaining articles of clothing particularly the leather dresses about three o'clock the wind fell and we instantly loaded the canoes and left the miserable spot to which we had been confined the last six days on turning the point we came to the sand beach through which runs a small stream from the hills at the mouth of which was an ancient village of thirty-six houses without any inhabitants at the time except fleas here we met shannon who had been sent back to us by captain lewis the day shannon left us in the canoe he and willard proceeded on till they met a party of twenty indians who not having heard of us did not know who they were but they behaved with great civility so great indeed and seemed so anxious that our men should accompany them toward the sea that their suspicions were aroused and they declined going the indians however would not leave them and the men becoming confirmed in their suspicions and fearful if they went into the woods to sleep that they would be cut to pieces in the night thought it best to remain with the indians they therefore made a fire and after talking with them to a late hour laid down with their rifles under their heads when they awoke they found that the indians had stolen and concealed their arms and having demanded them in vain shannon seized a club and was about assaulting one of the indians whom he suspected to be the thief when another of them began to load his fowling piece with the intention of shooting him he therefore stopped and explained to them by signs that if they did not give up the guns a large party would come down the river before the sun rose to a certain height and put every one of them to death fortunately captain lewis and his party appeared at this very time and the terrified indians immediately brought the guns and five of them came in with shannon to these men we declared that if ever any of their nation stole anything from us he would be instantly shot they resided to the north of this place and spoke a language different from that of the people higher up the river it was now apparent that the sea was at all times too rough for us to proceed farther down the bay by water we therefore landed and having chosen the best spot we could made our camp of boards from the old village we were now comfortably situated and being visited by four wakiakums with wapatoo roots were enabled to make an agreeable addition to our food november sixteenth the morning was clear and pleasant 
we therefore put out all our baggage to dry and sent several of our party to hunt our camp was in full view of the ocean on the bay laid down by vancouver which we distinguished by the name of haley's bay from a trader who visits the indians here and is a great favorite among them the meridian altitude of this day gave forty six degrees nineteen minutes eleven point seven seconds as our latitude the wind was strong from the southwest and the waves were very high yet the indians were passing up and down the bay in canoes and several of them encamped near us we smoked with them but after our recent experience of their thievish disposition treated them with caution the hunters brought in two deer a crane some geese and ducks and several brant three of which were white except a part of the wing which was black and they were much larger than the gray brant november seventeenth a fair cool morning and easterly wind the tide rises at this place eight feet six inches about one o'clock captain lewis returned after having coasted down haley's bay to cape disappointment and some distance to the north along the seacoast he was followed by several chinooks among whom were the principal chief and his family they made us a present of a boiled root very much like the common licorice in taste and size called culwamo and in return we gave them articles of double its value we now learned however the danger of accepting anything from them since nothing given in payment even though ten times more valuable would satisfy them we were chiefly occupied in hunting and were able to procure three deer four brant and two ducks and also saw some signs of elk captain clark now prepared for an excursion down the bay and accordingly started november eighteenth at daylight accompanied by eleven men he proceeded along the beach one mile to a point of rocks about forty feet high where the hills retired leaving a wide beach and a number of ponds covered with waterfowl between which and the mountain there was a narrow bottom covered with alder and small balsam trees seven miles from the rocks was the entrance from the creek or rather drain from the pond and hills where was a cabin of chinooks the cabin contained some children and four women they were taken across the creek in a canoe by two squaws to each of whom they gave a fish hook and then coasting along the bay passed at two miles the low bluff of a small hill below which were the ruins of some old huts and close to it the remains of a whale the country was low open and marshy interspersed with some high pine and with a thick undergrowth five miles from the creek they came to a stream forty yards wide at low water which they called chinook river the hills up this river and toward the bay were not high but very thickly covered with large pine of several species proceeding along the shore they came to a deep bend appearing to afford a good harbor and here the natives told them that european vessels usually anchored about two miles farther on they reached cape disappointment an elevated circular knob says the journal rising with a steep ascent one hundred and fifty or one hundred and sixty feet above the water formed like the whole shore of the bay as well as of the sea-coast and covered with thick timber on the inner side but open and grassy on the exposure next the sea from this cape a high point of land bears south twenty degrees west about twenty-five miles distant 
in the range between these two eminences is the opposite point of the bay a very low ground which has been variously called cape ron by le perouse and point adams by vancouver the water for a great distance off the mouth of the river appears very shallow and within the mouth nearest to point adams is a large sandbar almost covered at high tide november nineteenth in the evening it began to rain and continued until eleven o'clock two hunters were sent out in the morning to kill something for breakfast and the rest of the party after drying their blankets soon followed at three miles they overtook the hunters and breakfasted on a small deer which they had been fortunate enough to kill this like all those that we saw on the coast was much darker than our common deer their bodies too are deeper their legs shorter and their eyes larger the branches of the horns are similar but the upper part of the tail is black from the root to the end and they do not leap but jump like a sheep frightened continuing along five miles farther they reached a point of high land below which is a sandy point extended in a direction north nineteen degrees west to another high point twenty miles distant to this they gave the name of point lewis they proceeded four miles farther along the sandy beach to a small pine tree on which captain clark marked his name with the year and day and then set out to return to the camp where they arrived the following day having met a large party of chinooks coming from it november twenty first the morning was cloudy and from noon till night it rained the wind too was high from the southeast and the sea so rough that the water reached our camp most of the chinooks returned home but we were visited in the course of the day by people of different bands in the neighborhood among whom were the chilts a nation residing on the seacoast near point lewis and the clatsops who live immediately opposite on the south side of the columbia a chief from the grand rapid also came to see us and we gave him a medal to each of our visitors we made a present of a small piece of ribbon and purchased some cranberries and some articles of their manufacture such as mats and household furniture for all of which we paid high prices End of chapter 18